verses 11 through 18. And if you could, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Verse 11 says this, again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might. Though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this uh, opportunity to read it together, to sit before it, and we ask that you would take your word and you would sow it into our hearts. Lord, we are just aware that apart from you working in our lives, apart from your spirit giving us power, apart from you softening our hearts and just enabling us to receive your word, we, we can't. Lord, your word will fall on uh, dead ears in many ways or, or a hard hearts. And, and we want our hearts to be soft and we want our ears to be open and we want our minds to be able to comprehend what you're saying to us. For Lord, we, we want to know you better. We want to more passionately follow Jesus in this world. We want to glorify you. And we want to be happy people. Lord, we want to be happy people who are trusting in Jesus, walking by faith and not by sight, enjoying this life that you've given to us as we, as we seek to fight the good fight of faith, as we seek to encounter various trials, Lord, we want to fight for joy. We want to receive all the joy that you have for us. That, that, Lord, we would also honor and glorify you in every area of our lives. And so, Lord, we can't do any of this on our own. And we trust you. And we ask that you would accomplish all of your good purposes as we spend time in this word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Okay, how many of you have heard of Matt Carney? Just raise, raise your hand real quick. He's kind of was like, not a lot of you. Okay, just Apple Music, Spotify, okay? He, he, I like Matt Carney. I'm not a big guy into music and things. Anyways, as I was reading this text and studying this text, he's got a song that's just called Closer to Love, for those of you that know him. And there, there's, a, there's some lyrics in there that, 
that help us kind of think about this text. And so I'm going to read them to you, not sing them. And so here's, here's what they say. It goes, she got the call today. If anybody knows it, you can read it, because I'm sure you probably got it going through your head. Anyways, she got the call today, one out of the gray. And when the smoke cleared, it took her breath away. She said she didn't believe it could happen to me. I guess we're all one phone call from our knees. We're going to get there soon. And so that, that lyric is, is just in the sense of she's doing her business, just kind of whatever it is she was doing that day. And the phone rings, and it's out of the blue, and it just stops her. And she hits her knees, and it's one that she just didn't expect. And the reality is we, we all know what that's like. We all know what it's like to sort of be surprised by maybe a literal phone call or a disaster that, that comes our way. Because we know disasters can strike at any moment in our lives. And they usually come in those moments where we're not really expecting them. I've experienced this several times. Several years ago, I was sitting in my house getting ready for work. And someone called our house to let us know that family friends or friends of our family had been in a tragic car accident and the wife didn't make it. Two years ago, I was coaching a baseball game only to find out during this game that our friend Trevor had been in a motorcycle accident and probably wasn't going to make it. These things happen to us when we're just living life and you least expect it. And the reality is we're just one phone call away from hitting our knees. And I think about this a lot, and I'm sure if you have kids who are driving in their cars, you probably think about it as well. When our kids leave and and they're gone, and you sit there and you're just wondering, are they they coming back? It's it's always not this major thought, but if you don't have kids who are driving yet, these thoughts will cross your minds at times. Or you get a phone call from them, and you're not expecting them to call you. You're expecting something that's going to put you on your knees immediately. Because you know what this world is like. We know that it could be going one way for a long period of time, then all of a sudden it just, it gets disrupted. We know that peace and security is not something that's necessarily guaranteed to us. We know that tragedy can strike at any moment. Our lives can be immediately disrupted. And Solomon knows this reality too. He's been writing about it throughout this book, sharing with us all that he's learned, all that he's seen, trying to help us navigate our way through a fallen world by faith, trying to encourage us to fear God, to trust God in a broken world that does not go our way. Or as he would say, in a crooked world sometimes that's actually meant to be crooked, that you can't actually straighten out as hard as you want to try. And so he's looking at all of this, and he's been helping us to look at all of this, that we might walk away with great faith in God, that we would trust God for those phone calls that come that that put us on our knees, or for that information we get that, that we don't ever want to get that sort of ruins our lives for that moment or ruins our lives as we had planned them to be. And so Solomon's been looking at this and he's been trying to to help us look at the reality of what life really is like 
under the sun. This fallen world that we live in. And what we're going to see today is that, is that we really do live in a very unpredictable world. And that, that kind of messes with us sometimes because we want to predict it. When we get married and we're standing up there at the altar, we, we, we are predicting our future. We are excited. We're saying, till death do us part. This is going to be the happiest life ever. We're going to die together. And then you talk about it. You're like, yeah, I hope we die at the same time. And anybody who's been married longer, I'll just give you a year. You just know it's not as easy as that. That's why we do pastoral counseling, premarital counseling, just to kind of like not to burst bubbles, but just to say, hey, we want you to get married. We're excited for you to get married, but we also want to help prepare you because it's hard work and it doesn't always go the way you want it to go. I'll share this, not even in my notes, okay? So Valentine's Day. And so me and my wife have these every Wednesday budget meetings now. And it happened to fall on Valentine's Day this year, okay? Not, not, not wise of me, but we've had some good budget meetings. But this, I would say, and she would say the same thing, not the best budget meeting for us. And it was a kind of our Valentine's Starbucks date. Somebody's got to help me with that, Right? We worked our way through it. Point is, is it's, it just doesn't go the way you always want it to go. And you've got to be able to work through things. You've got to be able to trust the Lord for things. And then sometimes it gets even more array, I guess. It doesn't always end the way you think it's going to end. And so how do we navigate life in an unpredictable world? That's kind of what we're looking at this morning. And so as we look at this, what we're going to look at is two points from this text. And point number one is this. Life in this world is not as predictable as you think or would like it to be. This is, again, you remember, this is Solomon. He's, he's given us wisdom. He's sharing these things. And it's like, we need to hear this over and over again. These are things that he says to us. And sometimes he circles back at these things because, because we don't really get it. If you're anything like me, you get it and then you forget about it maybe a week later or even sooner because you think that you can actually control this world because you're able to do a few things and it seems to be working out for you. And you're like, okay, I got this. I got this master. I know how to parent now or I know how to pastor, or I know how to coach, or I know, I know how to date my wife, and, and this, this is what you do. This is the right way to do it. And then the Lord shows up in some ways and says, no, no, that, you can also do it this way. And usually that, that is being shown to me, and probably to you, in an uncomfortable way. Sometimes we call that conflict. Sometimes we call that suffering. It's just when life doesn't go the way. And so we need to hear this over and over again is we are not in control. You're not in control of this world. You're not reigning and ruling on a throne telling everybody in this world what to This world is not taking its orders from you. We live in it. God has created it. And so point one, life in this world is not as predictable as you think or would like it to be. So earlier in chapter 9, Solomon taught us that good things don't necessarily happen to good people. Ecclesiastes 9, chapter 2 said this, or verse 2 says, It is the same for all, since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, 
to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner, and he who swears is as he who shuns an oath. And so what he's making that point earlier in this chapter is just the same events happen relatively to the same people, whether you're good or bad. When it rains, it rains on both the good and the bad. When it's sunny and beautiful, it's sunny and beautiful for the good and the bad. And ultimately, he's, he's getting to this ultimate point where he's just saying, you could be a really good person, or you could be a really evil person, and the same event's going to happen to both of you, and that same event is eventually you're all going to die. You just don't escape that. You're not special because you're better than your neighbor. You being better than your neighbor does not make you immune from dying one day. And so this, again, Solomon's just looking and, and giving wisdom, and, and we would say, yeah, and like, I get that, I understand that, but the beauty of Solomon and the wisdom he has is, is what he's trying to help us do is, is that should affect the way we live. He was very good. If you read through this, you just see he's really good at just looking at things and then thinking about them and trying to figure out what does this mean then for the way in which I live my life today? Is it just meaningless? Should I just do whatever it is I want to do if, if the same thing's going to happen to everybody? And he obviously is not concluding with that. And so he, he had us there and he's just helping us see just because you're really good doesn't mean you're escaping just life. The, the common sufferings of life and ultimately death. The same event happens to us all. There's no immunity from hard things in this life for anyone. In the following verses, Solomon adds some more thoughts to this truth. This is verse 11. He says, again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Now, one would think if you line up the fastest people in this room, and we started on this line, we'd say that the fastest should win, right? Typically, that's how it works. The fast wins the race, but what Solomon just says, that's just not always the case. The fastest guy does not always win the race. You ever read a story about like this turtle and this, this rabbit? Sometimes we call it the tortoise and the hare. Like there's a reason that book exists. It's a good story, right? Because it, it teaches this lesson. It teaches this wisdom right here. You, you might be really, really fast. But if you're arrogant, if you're proud, you're not as determined as the tortoise is, so to speak. You, you, you might not win. Slow, steady, focused, determined, and humble won this race. Usually the fastest person wins, but not always. That's the world we live in. In Usain Bolt, we would say probably one of the fastest men ever alive, right? Well, in one of his last race, or if not his last race, he was running a 4 by 100 meter relay. And he was on the final leg of this race. And they came in last place. And they came in last place because he got hurt while running. I don't know if it was hamstring or something, but, but he had to stop running. And so, again, there's just this illustration. You see it. You can Google this. You'll see it. Guys who are winning races... 
And they don't get hurt, but they just stop to celebrate before they cross the finish line. And then the guy who's determined and humble and has self-control, he, he finishes like a step ahead. There's tons of these videos in really big events. And so we see this illustration. The fastest don't always win. One would also think that the strongest man or the strongest army should win the battle. But again, what Solomon says, okay, I've seen life. And the strongest do not always win the battle. Now, the most famous probably illustration of this truth is David and Goliath. David had no business fighting Goliath. I mean, you go back and you read the story. He's just this little tiny boy who they try to put armor on, and he's just like, I can't wear this armor. I can't really do anything in this armor, which was a wise decision for him. And he goes out there and he just, he defeats Goliath. It, it's a famous story. Found it in our Bibles. This, this thing, it teaches us the strong does not always win. When we think about the United States and the freedom we enjoy from the British Army secured for us in 1776. Shouldn't have won that. But we did. And aren't you glad today? The strong usually wins, but not always. Sometimes the weaker man and the weaker army comes out on top. Solomon also teaches us the wise and the intelligent, they don't always have favor and they're not always rich. There are a lot of really wise people in this world who do not have a lot of money. Sometimes they make a lot of money only to lose a lot of money when, let's say, the market crashes number of really intelligent people in this world who also lost everything. A person named Ike Batista was worth $35 billion in 2012 and was one of the richest men in the world at this time. However, in 2013, his oil company took a nosedive into bankruptcy, and over time, it was revealed that most of his success came from bribing corrupt officials. So had a bunch of money, one of the richest men in the world, would have been sort of wise and intelligent only to kind of lose it all. In 2006, a man by the name of Sean Quinn was the richest man in Ireland, worth $6 billion. And then he began to invest his money into an Irish bank using borrowed money. And when the bank failed, guess what? He ended up owing $4 billion you got to be pretty smart, pretty wise, pretty intelligent to make $6 billion, the right way, I'm assuming, not the corrupt way the other guy was doing. But, but, but with all this wisdom and, and all this intelligence, he had $6 billion, and then he ends up owing $4 billion. It's just, that's the world in which we live in. Solomon sees this. I'm sure you can share your own examples. We all kind of have ours. It might not be a $6 billion thing, but we all got something I'm sure we could share in regards to finances. Being wise and intelligent doesn't necessarily mean that a person is going to be rich. You could have the best degree from the best college in the world, and you just might end up being a Starbucks barista. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything against Starbucks baristas. I'm just saying a lot of people have a lot of degrees, chasing a lot of dreams, hoping to, to get this big job somewhere that, that they just don't get. It's the world we live in. Human ability is no guarantee for success in this life. Solomon tells us that time and chance 
happen to us all. Disaster is blind. Think about wildfires. They, they just spread. And they will take any house, any business, and anything that it's in its path. Or think about a tornado. Anybody ever try to control a tornado? I'm sure we have tried and try to figure things out. But when those things get moving, they just go. And they will take anything in its path. All of these natural disasters, they just, they work that way. Or when the market crashes, whose money does it take? Everybody's money who's invested in it, some more than others. Inflation also does the same thing. It affects the whole country, some more than others. Again, remember what Solomon is looking at here is he's just, he's just looking at life under the sun. He's just saying, this is the world we live in. It's, it's broken. And it's unpredictable. As hard as we want to try to control it, you just, you just can't control certain things. But what we know is we know that this world has been created by an all-powerful God who is at work in all things, who holds this thing together. And we know him to be good, and we know that he's perfect in his wisdom, and he's perfect in his plans, and that Everything in this life, even though it may seem and it is unpredictable to us, it's not unpredictable to him. A sovereign God who's at work in all things. It may not go the way we want it to work, but it's all working out according to his good purposes and his good plans for his creation. Everything in this life submits to God. Philip Ryken in his commentary says this, From our perspective, however, there is still a problem. And I feel this. This is why I'm sharing this with you. So I'm going to assume you feel this as well. There's a problem with this truth. He said, we do not necessarily know what God is doing. No matter how strong we are, how smart or how smart, many bad things happen to us in this life. And there is no way for us to predict when they will happen. And, and that's where I, I, I bump into this sometimes, where I wrestle with God in prayer when when I know he's at work, I know he's holding this thing together. And, and when I look at this thing, because I like to look at things a little bit, I'm just like, okay, if, if this would have happened, then this would have happened. And, but this happened, and then this result took place. And, and as I step back, I just think, okay, it could have been this, but this is what I got. I, I don't like this. Why, why would God not just do this? You, you know what I'm talking about? You could just fit this, just... Just whatever this is that's bugging you about your life at this moment. That's kind of what he's getting at here. Is, is the problem is, is not necessarily that we, that we know God's in control. Sometimes for me it's just, God, why did you pick this? Why does this have to be my lot in life? When this person over here is, is getting this. And then I have to wrestle through it. And, I, and I'm grateful for his word because we get a lot of wisdom in this. And I, just, I fall back and I'm just, okay. I just trust God. I, I, I guess I'm not meant to know the exact details of why this is working out, but I do know the general details that, that God is at work in, for the good of those that love him. This must be for my good. And so I'm going to trust him. See, we don't always know the time, but God does. God always knows the time. And so we, we fall to time and chance, but, but God knows the time. Verse 12 says this, For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared 
at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. The details of life are many times unpredictable. And Solomon just illustrates this. And, and we feel this. It's kind of like that, those lyrics. We're just one phone call away. Or maybe we're just one step away from that snare. And these illustrations where he's just, fish get surprised and caught by a fisherman's net. And birds are also surprised and caught by snares. They both get caught before they can do anything about it. If, if they knew they were swimming into a net, do you think they would swim into a net? Or if a bird was about to encounter a snare, do you think the bird wants to be trapped by a snare? And, and what Solomon is saying, they, they probably don't, right? But he's using it as an illustration. It's just, this is the life in which we're living in. We take steps by faith. We are seeking to trust the Lord and walk out this to our best ability by the grace of God. And, and we, we're subject to time and chance is what he's saying. This isn't a fatalism thing. He's just trying to point out life where he's just sometimes when we take that step. And this is where I run into this. Man, I wish I would have stepped this way, but I guess I stepped into this net. And he's just saying that, that that's life. Sometimes you go in this direction and you're, you're running hard and you're trusting the Lord and, and there just happens to be a net there or a snare. And that phone call comes and it drops you to your knees because it, it didn't work out the way you, you wanted it to work out. You plan your day to, to live your best life, but the reality is there's just times in our lives where we find ourselves suffering or in a net might show up to work thinking everything's great, only to find out that the business isn't doing so well. And they got to make some cuts. And so they cut you. Or you might go to the doctor and you feel great. And they say, oh, we got to take your blood work and do all these things. And next thing you know is they, they find something. They find some sickness. They, they might find cancer. And it radically changes your life. Or maybe you've worked really, really hard in school and you've got the best grades because you're hoping to get into that best college. And you're praying and you're working through that, hoping in those things only to open up the mailbox and find a net or a snare. Comes in the form of a letter that says, hey, thanks for applying, but we're going to put you on a waiting list or we're not accepting you at this time. Hard things happen in this life. Or maybe you take really good care of your home. Turn off all the lights when you leave, lock the doors, you secure it up, and you guys leave only to get a phone call from a neighbor that's letting you know, hey, your house is on fire. We, we know this to be true. Life is unpredictable. But in God's mercy to us this morning, he's teaching us this truth. He's teaching us this truth so, so that we might not be surprised by it and so that we might actually look to him and seek to live out our lives by faith in him in an unpredictable world or in a fallen world because we can't avoid difficult things. You can work really, really hard to avoid them, but, but eventually you will find a net or eventually you will find a snare. And I know I don't have to talk too much about that because if you've lived life long enough, you just know that exists. So 
in our second point, then we want to just kind of ask, ask and answer this question. Well, then how then should we live in an unpredictable world? What, what should we do? Now, you might be tempted to think, what's the point? If there's just snares out there and there's sort of a net and we're just sort of like submitted to time and chance, then, then why not just do whatever it is we want to do? And that's kind of what Solomon's been going after a little bit is like, should we then just forego everything and just give ourselves to every pleasure we've ever thought of if the same thing happens to the same people and there's just nets out there and life doesn't go the way we want it to go? Should that be our mindset? Should we just forget God altogether and do whatever it is we want to do? That, that's, that's not where he leads us. I think what he teaches us here in these final verses is, is to find wisdom. Walk by faith, trusting in Christ. And so here, here's how he gets us there, though. Verse 13, he said, I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun. It seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man, but I say that wisdom is better than might. Though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Now, this is one of these great stories, right? Probably didn't feel it. Like when I, when I read things to like the guys I coach, what I've realized is I probably have to read it two or three times because they look at me like, huh? But what I'm telling you is what you have in these four verses is a great story. It's an amazing story. It's an inspiring story. We, we love when the little guy wins, right? Those are the movies we like to watch. We like to watch when you have this little city that has very few men in it, that, that encounters hardship because this little city doesn't appear to be a significant city. It doesn't appear to have anybody great living in it. It's very small and it's ordinary. It doesn't have enough men to even defend itself. Its life and viability really rests in the hands of God. For some reason, which we don't know, a great and mighty king decides, I want this city. And so then this great and mighty king sends his great, great and mighty army to, to kind of conquer this city. And so they surround this city, lay a siege works to it. And so they're just going to kind of wait it out. Like, you're not getting out of this place and nobody's coming in. And eventually you're going to surrender and this will become our city. And so if you lived in this city, it was kind of hopeless. It's like, what are we to do? We don't have enough men to go out there and fight them. See, it's a great story. And we see it all over the place. But, but what ends up happening is this city is delivered because in this city is a poor, most likely very insignificant, wise man who was able to share something of wisdom to deliver this city. Don't you love underdog stories? That's why we love Rocky IV, right? All the Rockies, but like Rocky IV, like when he's going up against the Russians. And he just wins, and they just tell it in such a good way. Or, or, or we love when the Braves defeated, right, the Dodgers and got their World Series rings. That's kind of a big deal, right? The big, bad Dodgers who have paid all this money to amass this great team, and then all of a sudden here comes the Braves, and, and they did it. 
We love stories like that. We love when the bigger and the faster and the stronger and, and the smarter don't always win. We don't know much about this poor wise man who saved this little city, though. We know he was poor and wise. We don't know what he said or what he did. We don't even get his name. We don't know the specifics of his wise counsel, and it doesn't look like we ever will because he was just forgotten, he says. It's kind of the sad part about it. But I think there's something inspiring about it as well. Poor wise man with no name shows up and says something and just fades into the background. No one remembered him. No statue in his honor, no key to the city, no big book deal so he could record his greatness and his leadership thoughts. Instead, all he gets is forgotten. Yet we know his wisdom saved this little city. And this, Solomon says, was a great thing that he saw. It was great because one man with wisdom was able to deliver a little city from a large and strong army. It was great because what it teaches us is this. Now, remember, we're trying to answer this question. How do we live in a fallen, unpredictable world? And Solomon just says, wisdom is stronger than might. Or you might say something like this. If you had to pick something in this world, choose wisdom. If you've got to live in a world that seems to be crooked and it can't be straightened out and, and you, there's snares all around and there's nets that are looking to ch- trap you and time and chance just happens, he's saying, choose wisdom. Philip Ryken again says the following, he says, Humanly speaking, the city didn't have a prayer, but the battle is not always to be to the strong. Praise God. In this particular case, one man knew exactly what to do. For the preacher, this was an example of what wisdom can do. Happy is the city that has even one person who is wise enough to rescue its citizens. Or we might say it like this. Happy is the family that has even one person who is wise enough to lead his family. Or happy is the work or the workplace who has one person who's wise enough to lead it. Or happy is the church that has one person who is wise enough to trust the Lord to lead in a very unpredictable world. You see, our culture, what does it celebrate? It celebrates strength. It celebrates beauty. It celebrates a lot of those things, a little bit of wisdom and knowledge and stuff like that. But for the most part, what you, what you see a lot of is going to be strength and might. But what Solomon is saying, no, as you live your life in this world, wisdom is better than might. If we're going to be wise, we like this city, though, will listen to the wise. Verse 17 says, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. So Proverbs just teaches us that if you hang out with a wise person, what ends up happening? You become wise. If you hang out with a fool, what typically ends up happening? Become a fool. And so what what Solomon, he's just helping us see is wisdom is better than the weapons of war. Wisdom is better than folly. One foolish person leading has the power to destroy it all. And so again, he's just coming back. You live in an unpredictable world. So how do we live then? 
Well, he's, he's teaching us here. You, you choose wisdom. But where do we get that wisdom? Well, I think we find that wisdom first in Christ. I'm going to close with just some, some practical applications for, for where we find these things. The, the wisest thing any of us could ever do as we seek to live out our lives in this broken world is to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. To really believe that God so loved us that he sent Jesus to live in our place and to die on a cross for all of our sins. Taking the full penalty of our sins being or freeing us from the power of sin so that we might live for him. See, apart from faith in Christ, we, we, we are fools who just follow fools. But wisdom is found in Christ. And God sent him to save us. And so the pursuit of wisdom and the pursuit of living a wise life in a very unpredictable world, I think it begins right here. It's trusting in Jesus. It's clinging to this good news about him, knowing that if you step in that snare or you find yourself in a net, you have a Savior who laid his life down for you. You have a Savior who's reigning and ruling on His throne, leading and guiding. Who will help you out of that net. Who will get you out of that snare. Who has purchased your freedom. So that when you fail, when you sin, you can say, forgive me. And get back up and start following Christ again. Wisdom starts there. Number two, I, I think we find wisdom here. Like he just talks about this, like you have this poor, wise man who kind of shares something and then he's forgotten. And then in verse 17, where he's just he's sort of just saying, OK, the, the words of the wise heard and quiet are better than the shouting ruler. And he's just he's just saying a lot of times this is sort of true. I would say more times than not, like w- wisdom is kind of found quietly. He's not a loud bully, screaming. That's kind of what the world does. The, wor- the world is loud, and it's kind of like this bully. Which I don't even like that word, but I just said it anyways. It- it's just loud, and it just it's annoying, and it tries to get its message across, and it affects so many people in so many ways. And then over here, you just, you just kind of have, like, lady wisdom. And it's probably sitting on everybody's table next to your bed, but, but ask yourself, what gets more of your attention? The world and its loud foolishness or this? Because we know what's found in here. These are God's word breathed out to us so that we might grow. That we might be taught by it. That we might be corrected by it. That we might be trained in righteousness. And so really what we find in here is a lot of wisdom. Knowledge about God and this world that he created. And that includes us. For how we live in this world. It teaches us. So we find wisdom in Christ. And we find it on every page of God's word. Listen. We don't make it in this life. Apart from Christ. And apart from the word of God. We we have to be in it. This is where when you read Psalm 119. It says great things like. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Or you read Psalm 1 and it just, it just talks about like a man who's meditating on God's word day and night. What's he like? He's like a tree 
planted by living water. And what does it do? It bears fruit in every season. That means winning and losing is fruitful. Because when we look at the wins and the losses, we're not looking at it from just our perspective. We look at it from God's perspective, the one who's holding this thing all together. And sometimes it takes work. And I'm going to add an element to this. And and the element would be this. We, We don't just do this alone. We do it in the context of community. Because a lot of times we read a verse and we're trying to think, okay, so husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and Lay your life down for her. Okay, I I get that. But that could go a thousand different directions any day of the week. Sometimes laying your life down for your wife means having a budget meeting on Valentine's Day. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it looks like building her her dream home. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it looks like giving her what she wants. And sometimes it doesn't. It takes wisdom. And a lot of times we gain that wisdom. We get it. We get truth. And then we talk to our friends. Say, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And then I would say, I I like Solomon's approach. I think there's trial and error. Like, I don't think next year I'm going to do Valentine's budget meeting. I'm not doing it today. But that comes through trial and error. I'm not condemned by it. You just learn. And Sarah's very kind. But that's how we learn wisdom. We get truth and we walk it out in the context of community. We bounce ideas off of each other and we say, am I crazy here? And my friend says, yeah, you're crazy. And then we we go back this way and we try something else. Or you, you, you take a step by faith and you find a net and maybe you just untangle yourself and you take a step this way as you trust the Lord. But we don't do any of that if we're never in this. And we're never trusting in Jesus, and we don't actually live in the context of community with others. Instead, typically, we're going to end up drifting towards being fools. Wisdom is found here. And then lastly, the Lord just invites us. He just says, if you lack wisdom, what should we do? We ask. James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. So here's what I'd like to do. In closing, I'm going to assume that we all need wisdom, right? There's probably something in your life where you're just scratching your head and you're just saying, okay, I don't know what to do here. I've had the same conversation with this person and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Well, what should you do? Well, if you don't know what to do, I I would begin with let's, let's ask the Lord for wisdom. Or it could be just anything in life. And so we're going to take five minutes. And we're going to break up in small groups and we're going to apply James 1, 5 and this scripture in which we just walked through. We live in a broken world. It's very unpredictable. And we're just going to ask God for wisdom. And we're just saying, Lord, show us what to do here. And whatever that is that you're praying for, just, just ask God for, for wisdom because he gives generously. And let's believe him for that. And then I'll come back up and close this. So you can break up in your groups now and we're just going to pray for five minutes and I'll come back up and close this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being at work in everything. We thank you that you always know what you're doing. Nothing ever surprises you. And that your good purposes always come to fruition. 
And so, Lord, we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us and give us wisdom to live out our lives in this world, trusting completely in you. Lord, for we, we might plan our days, but rarely do they go as planned. But again, Lord, nothing surprises you. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to know what to do and when to do it so that we might honor you in everything. Help us to to not be overly surprised. Lord, when we get difficult news or our lives are rudely disrupted by trials, Lord, help us to be wise in these situations, to have self-control, to be slow to anger. Lord, to have Ephesians 4.29 language in difficult situations where we give grace instead of corrupt and break down. Lord, give us wisdom to make decisions that affect our future. Lord, give us wisdom about a building and that process for us as a church. Give, give us wisdom, Lord, as we think about our future together. And what you're calling us to do. That we might make decisions that are full of faith. And Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us as a church. Lord, there's a, there's a thousand little things that these folks in this room are thinking about. That are having to do. Whether it's at work or conversations they need to have. Or decisions about college or friendships. Or whatever those things may be. Lord, there, there's just a great need for wisdom. And so, Lord, would you pour out your wisdom upon us abundantly? And then, Lord, would you give us the faith to fear you and obey you? Lord, we just, we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. As you leave, may the Lord bless you. May he continue to pour out his spirit upon you. May you enjoy this day for his glory. Have a great Sunday.